You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just a Barbie person who is in a Barbie world with a Barbie reviewer, Christy Morris. Oh, see, I thought we were going to start off with me you saying, hiya, Barbie, and me going, hi, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I'm no Ken, so. Oh, uh, don't but be I modest. Appreciate the- that I, I appreciate the thought. So uh, we are going to be diving into the world of Barbie with Greta Gerwig's brand new film. And uh, just so you know, uh, you'll also be getting, because of course, everybody's been talking about Barbie Heimer. Uh, yes, we'll be doing Oppenheimer next week. And so looking forward to that. But uh, before we dive in, uh, just quick thank you to everybody who's joined us. As always, we're so glad that you're listening to the 602 Club uh, hit us up with a star rating review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those type of places. Subscribe so you'll get the episodes as soon as they drop. Of course, you can find us on Twitter, and we would love to interact with you on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, we're at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Of course, you can find the entire network over on Facebook at facebook.com slash FM. Listeners only discussion group there as well called the Babel Conference. You can join. We've got our website at trek.fm where you can see everything that's going on in the network, all of the shows that we have active. And you can support the network by going to Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm, which is so important to us because it costs a lot of money for us to do these shows, to keep this network running. And in all honesty, it's not possible without listeners just like you. So please do go to Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team so we can make sure this happens. Um, well, Christy, this is, of course, a, a very interesting movie. And um, in many ways, because of that, uh, this is this is going to be one of those shows where uh, I wanted you specifically, you know, to, to kind of take more of the lead for sure, um, because I think it, it only made sense for that to happen. And so, uh, I'm excited this week that uh, I'm going to kind of get a chance more to sit back and kind of answer your questions and really dig into your thoughts. Ooh, we've turned everything on its head. <laughs> uh, it's it's like we're in Barbie land. Right? Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm always excited to try something like that. And um, of course, you know, you and I had different experiences growing up when it came to dolls of different kinds. So of course, this was more of my wheelhouse. Um but, you know, you don't always know. So I joked with you, you know, unless there's something you're not telling me. But uh... <laughs> um, no, I I didn't play with Barbies okay. as a kid, if that's what we're asking. Okay. Um, and in fact, the only Barbie that we actually had at our house, my sister didn't really play with them either. And um, but in middle school, some f- uh, well, middle school to high school, some friends of hers gave her a. Uh, Barbie that they had dubbed awkward stage Barbie 
Mm. where they had taken the Barbie and frizzed its hair and given it glasses and like acne and that kind of stuff to kind of okay accentuate you know the, the 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 thing that we as you know adults like to forget is that you know everyone had that kind of awkward stage as you go from being a kid to becoming a teenager and and then an adult it's it's not ne- necessarily the prettiest transformation right and so mm-hmm. uh, i always thought that that was really funny and and actually always kind of thought it would be a, a, a great barbie for them to have you know one that's like yeah as we talk about in the movie, like normal Barbie, mm-hmm. uh, everyday Barbie, like uh, so. But I, I'm taking it that you did grow up with Barbies and and played with them yeah. as a young girl. Yeah. Um. So that was something that was always a big part of my childhood. Um. I was one of those kids that I had a best friend who had like every Barbie known to man. Um, oh wow okay yeah and so i remember always telling mom oh my gosh mom beth got this new barbie and beth got that new barbie and she's got the dream house and the horse and the you know all the outfits and uh and it was also something that my aunt was a big collector of because she grew up when the 1959 barbie originally came out so she had right. all of the the ones that she had kept from, you know, the 60s and the 70s that I could play with sometimes. So definitely this was a staple in our house. I also had a little sister who's five years younger than me. And so then she played with them when I was done with them. Um, and I will say the one that resonated the most with me in this movie was Weird Barbie. <laughs> because I definitely was the kid that was like, I'm going to try to be a hairstylist. And then I gave her a mohawk by accident and tried to make it look like it wasn't <laughs> an accident and drew makeup on her face and made her look horrible. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know. I think that's they really captured kind of the thing that a lot of kids end up doing with their toys um, and in in the in the sense of like, you know, yes, many kids end up playing with their toys too hard Mm -hmm. uh, and you either lose toys or, uh, you know, toys get broken or whatever, just because you love playing with them so much that, you know, they they end up kind of falling apart in the end. And so, uh, you know, I I think that that's that's something that they absolutely get right in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so. Well, I, I guess, you know, too, is we're t- just talking about your experience. Like, wh- what was it for you that, as a young girl, drew you to the toy of Barbie? Like, what was it that made her uh, a a doll that you wanted to play with? So, more than anything, it was the um, outfit changes. Because it, it's funny now looking as an adult how much I'm into cosplay and going to conventions and doing costuming and doing like, you know, professional level costuming with my 501st stuff. Right. Now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally loved dressing up my Barbies and playing dress up Mm. more than anything. So yeah, that was the big part of it that drew me in way more than like baby dolls or anything else did. She had a lot of cool accessories. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and of course, you know, they kind of humorously begin the film um, with the idea of, you know, that Barbie comes in and kind of changes everything in the sense of the way that, you know, young girls a- approach playing with toys and dolls specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is interesting because I was thinking about, you know, that that opening 
And I, I feel like I, I get what the opening is saying, you know, the idea of like dolls being there. But I also feel like, you know, it wasn't like girls didn't have doll houses, right, that had families, you know, with grown moms, mm-hmm. you know, women. So it wasn't like, you know, baby dolls were really the only toys that existed. I guess it it seems like most likely it was predominantly that, though, before, you know, Barbie comes on the scene where it's a grown woman you're playing with and, you know, not a doll. Right. And that's kind of the thing with this movie, too, is obviously there's all of these layers to it. Um, and starting off with that is really a great way to also get people to look up the history behind how Barbie was created. And I'll tell you, it, you know, it was true that for the most part, before 1959, the main dolls available for little girls were baby dolls. But there were things that, you know, apparently there were paper dolls, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. But they just never took this form before Ruth Handler wanted something different for Mm -hmm. her daughter named Barbara to play with. Which is so interesting, too, because, you know, and and obviously the movie makes the commentary on the way that Barbie has been perceived, uh, you know, since its inception. And and I I would say um, probably, you know, uh, it's been something where it wasn't this way until, you know, the last like probably 20 or 30 years, I feel like, where Barbie has really been, I guess, in some ways looked down upon and. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. So we have all of that commentary that goes there. But I think that's that was, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing to be reminded that Barbie was specifically created by a woman for her daughter uh, and created for, you know, good reasons. Right. Right. It, it, it's it was not some thing where a man created this as a way to you know, try and make women feel bad about themselves. Right. As, you know, I think most people kind of think of as Barbie is that's what it's doing. It, it's a standard that women can't live up to, and all it does is make them feel bad about themselves. Right. That wasn't it at all. You know, it came from a place of it, what I think of it, it as comes across more that children want to mirror their parents. They see the things that their parents get to do because they're adults that they hope to become someday, like wearing Mm -hmm. a suit or, you know, for like little boys or like for, you know, little girls seeing their mom putting on makeup for the first time. They emulate Mm -hmm. things that they see their parents do. So Barbie was also a way for Ruth's daughter to get to experience what it might be like to grow up. Yeah. And I think... You know, it's, um, I think this is one of the places, you know, especially with the beginning of the film and the way that it opens, um, I will say this is partly where my kind of problems, I guess, with the film kind of begin in the sense that I think that, and I'll talk more extensively about this later on, but this is where I think the stereotypes begin to happen, where it's like we're just kind of dealing more in stereotypes throughout the film. And, you know, again, I think um, the idea that, you know, oh, girls can only have dolls to play with that taught them how to be mommies and stuff, and, and, and then Barbie came along and just completely changed everything, you know, or at least that's you know, 
the what we get to until we get to the real world and realize, yes, that's not what happened at all. You know, um, it just created more controversy and more and more problems. But I do think that that's one of the things that um, and and partly where um, I, I we start off in, in, in that scene is funny and everything. But it also, I think, begins a place where we're going to the, I realize immediately like this is not going to be a very nuanced conversation about the uh the things that the movie is going to try and talk about um and so i i think right up front i'm 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 personally hit by that which is that yes i think this movie is going to try and say some things that are good but in in all honesty i i i i'm kind of hit immediately with okay i i can't actually really take this too seriously because we're not actually going to do any nuance to our discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what I was hit with. So I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Cause I, and I'd be really interested to see how you feel about, especially that opening, which plays it for laughs. And yet again, I, I feel like it also plays it very stereotypically, which is not necessarily when you're trying to have a discussion like this, always the most helpful thing to do. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess part of me definitely did feel that it was um, assertive in the way that it made its points um, with, you know, literally having the little girls smashing the baby dolls and taking Barbie instead. Um, And then also to me relating to it as this is not the only thing that girls could be that right that it's not um poo-pooing becoming a mother or saying that that's not an option it's just that they're making the point that till that point that was the only thing that girls were expected of um and that barbie really shook that up and was showing little girls that they could be more, um, you know, open to other things in life than only being a mother. You know, because they do also then come out with all of these other professions and things that Barbie can do, um, like being an astronaut, which at the time, <laughs> you know, it was not popular for women to try and be an astronaut. Um and, you know, be a teacher and be all of these other things that are just as good, at, you know, than as being a mother. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think you're absolutely right in that sense. You know, obviously, to, uh, you know, Barbie hits at a time uh, where the world itself is changing, you know, and the ways in which, um, you know, women see themselves, society sees women, so much is, is changing. So it's, it's, it's really a part of that. Uh, in a way that it's hard to understate and it's hard for people you think to even understand, you know, as, as we're talking now, um, it, just to, to, to get that sense. Um, and I think you're absolutely right in, in, in that way that, you know, it hits things like very, very hard. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, yeah, that you're in saying that it, 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 gets to kind of where I'm I'm going in in the sense that this movie is going to hit all its points very much on the nose um and there and again I feel like it's it's going to lack any nuance in its discussion which I th- 
as we move forward in our discussion, I actually think it's going to be the thing that kind of hurts this movie the most for me is that it's not really going to discuss these very, I would say, important issues. And I want people to hear me say this right up front, which is that I I think that things that this movie is trying to talk about are absolutely important uh, and and should be talked about um, in, in great detail and, and with great loving care. Um, I think that's probably the thing that bothers me the most is that we're taking a really important discussion and in, in too many ways we're either making light of it, we're making fun of it, or we're pitting people against one another mm-hmm. in a way that I don't necessarily know is is helpful um, because I don't think making it be an us versus them discussion is really helpful in these things. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the movie almost doesn't do that. It almost has the answer, but it 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 shies away from from that in a way that is is a little bit frustrating. Um, so you you uh, put our outline, you know, the cast, and that's, I mean that's such a huge part of this film. Um, you know, Margot Robbie being cast, you know, Brian Gosling being cast as Ken, but especially especially here, Margot Robbie, who they you know even call out with the narrator, right? Right. Is um, she really the best person very, to make this point? <laughs> exactly. It, it's impossible to make this point with Margot Robbie as your as your lead. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, how you felt like she did bringing this thing to life that, you know, you have been playing with for so long. So, I mean, she certainly, we could all agree, fits the look of the quote unquote stereotypical Barbie for the majority of the time that Barbie's been in existence, not until very recently, did they have Barbies that were different races or um, different sizes or, you know, anything other than the blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, it wasn't until 1980 that there was a black Barbie. Um, and the only other ones that they had originally were Midge and Skipper. And I think even Skipper was blonde. So it certainly changed over time, but the primary one we all think of when we think of Barbie is blonde hair and blue eyes, tall and thin. So I think they nailed the look to have her be the quote unquote main Barbie of the story, um, as we would expect her to have looked. Um, And I think that, of course, coming into this, I've always loved Margot Robbie's other work. I mean, honestly... I, Tanya is such an underrated movie. I think more people need to see that um, to really see her range. But of course, I loved her as um, Harley Quinn as well. So I expected her to really knock this out of the park because I've loved her in so many other things. But what did you think of her portrayal? No, I think she's really good in the role. Um, I think that they do an excellent job of, uh, you know, having her play this, uh, you know, on looks alone, she's pretty much Barbie, as, as Barbie as a real person can get without, a, you know, a thousand plastic surgeries. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, that's that's fantastic. You know, Barbara Robbie, I think, too, has an incredible sense of, of timing when it comes to comedy. Um, I think she's a very gifted actor uh, that is able to perform many different types of roles uh, very well. And so I think casting her basically is what they call stereotypical Barbie 
was perfect because she has to play a variety of different types of emotions and and feelings and all those type of things that this character goes through as it grows, um, which is very important to the role. And so you kind of need somebody who can do all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, being funny and then finding these, you know, intense feelings of anxiety and frustration and thoughts that are you know completely foreign to her and like doing all of these things that this movie is is requiring her to do to make this transition i think is is great uh and margot robbie i think knocks that out of the park you know i think in in all honesty the casting of her and ryan gosling is so key to this because without those two i think this movie really fails without them Mm -hmm. um and partially i think that it's that margot robbie is so good as stereotypical barbie Mm -hmm. but i've got to ask you what do you think of ryan gosling as ken it was the ken i didn't know i needed (laughs) um and i am not alone in saying this said every woman in america right um i was so skeptical seeing the marketing leading up to this of him playing ken because it is so not his typical thing and yet He's been everyone's number one favorite from this movie above Margot Robbie um, unanimously. I mean, everyone I've seen, guys that I know that have seen this movie said he steals the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of agree with that. I mean, I'm sorry. I love Margot Robbie, but he I think because he was so unexpected to be cast and then also plays it so earnestly when you could just easily lean into the joke. Although he's joking in a lot of his scenes, he really believes the character. And that's what makes it so good for his part. You know, I I knew that he could do this role because he did Crazy Stupid Love, where I Mm -hmm. think he's basically playing a much more intelligent version of Ken. Uh, And so I I think that is, is, I mean, I, I had no... Uh, thoughts that he couldn't do it i think ryan gosling is actually a terrific actor and his comedic timing is phenomenal so again putting them both together i think really works i i think i agree with you is that this movie uh, is in some ways as much about if not more sometimes about ken than it is barbie Mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting um, I think, unfortunately, that the movie by the end does a disservice to Ken by uh, not really, I think, truly completing his character arc in a way that's as successful as what they do for Barbie. Now, I get the movie is called Barbie, but what they're doing with Ken, I think, is so important as a story that I wish that they had had really stuck the landing with his story and with him as a character um, you know, I, I think sadly, you know, they are so stereotypical in their reactions to everything, especially the Ken, that um by not allowing there again to kind of be more nuance to his ending that you get with Barbie is actually kind of frustrating. Um, you know, they they kind of really simplify his end. Um, whereas hers, of course, is given much more uh, of a depth to it, uh, or or at least attempting more depth. And so, you know, I think that's the thing that 
Um, yeah, I agree with you. The the thing I loved most about this movie, and I don't think it's just because I'm a man, because you said the same, is that Ken kind of steals the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it and yeah, Ryan Gosling is just fantastic. So um, I loved it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm glad to hear that. It, that overall you loved it just wish he had had more of an arc as a character because i do think you needed that with i mean just thinking about the impact barbie has had on society and i remember even years ago before toy story started including barbie in the movies that mm-hmm. barbie and ken were like the it couple you know even though we all know they're right, toys right it was such a big deal when the joke was running around that barbie left ken or you know that it's right. barbie's dream house and um you know so they are kind of ubiquitous and then in that sense it's like ken is also famous and deserves to have something happen to conclude his character arc in this movie and he didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Well, and I think that the, you know, when you think about it and just when you're thinking about it thematically for the two characters, right? Ken is a representation in Barbie world, in Barbie land, as to what women basically supposedly feel in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything is quote unquote upside down in Barbie land. And so I think by not allowing him to have a much fuller and realized end to his story it does actually a disservice to the uh metaphor that you're using ken for Mm -hmm. in the story right uh and and so i i think it's it's one of the places where because of the lack of nuance in this discussion and because everything is so surface level when we're dealing with such really important issues that i think things kind of get lost in translation Mm -hmm. a little bit uh and you know i i think the movie in some ways becomes a little bit too preoccupied with banging its ideological drum than actually following the story to to the conclusion that the beginning of the movie had set itself up for. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's where I think with both characters in some ways, by not really completing Ken's story to full completion, you actually kind of hurt the Barbie story mm-hmm. because they are two sides of the same coin, right? And right. so... I, I think that that's where the movie kind of fails itself. Um, yeah. So what, Mer- America Ferreira, who, you know, I haven't seen in, in, in a while, um, you know, playing our Mattel employee who's married, which was strange because for most of the movie, I didn't realize she was married at all. And then weirdly, she has a husband, mm-hmm. um, you know, and her daughter's relationship with her that she's struggling with and uh, trying to piece that back together. Uh, how did you feel like this, this worked with the story? Well, for sure. I will say, I think that America Ferreira was the third most important piece of this movie and that all of the emotional scenes for me hit with her in them so much better than they did where they were trying to get some emotional weight with the other scenes with Ken and Barbie. Um, because I think immediately of Gloria's speech, about it being impossible to be a woman 
I've seen so many people that I know now say, man, I want to print that and frame it. (laughs) It was the moment when especially the women sitting in the audience were going, oh, my gosh, it's all the things that I think all the time that I wish someone would say out loud. Um, And someone finally said them just that there is this double standard in society and um, in our own heads even of trying to always be good enough and feeling like we're never quite getting there and things like she said like you um, want to be healthy but you can't be too thin but you can't be too big and you know you you're expected to be the boss but not to be mean and that it's always this back and forth Um, so she really as an actress and as that character held so much weight for me Um, and I think although they could have written her daughter and her husband better and had them appear more that I felt that she was so compelling. What did you think of her? So I think that you're right that, you know, she's kind of the, if, if, if the, if there's a Trinity in this film, it's them, Mm -hmm. right? They create this Trinity. Uh, And because it's her who is the one that has, you know, had played with the Barbies and everything and and Barbie had meant something to her and her connection to her Barbie creates the problems in Barbie land with stereotypical Barbie. And so I, I thought that, you know, her struggling with, I think the oxymoron of what it means to be a woman these days that she describes. Yes was was great um you know i think that she really the the move and this is where i think the movie was the best in the first speech that she gives i think she hits on all of the ridiculous dichotomies and just nonsensical nature of what it means to be a woman these days where we're asking all of these things of women that are so contradictory and in some ways so stupid Mm -hmm. that don't make sense. You know, we, we've got all these unwritten rules for what it means to be a woman. And, and in so many ways, it's like, it's a lack of, of, it seems like to me where it comes down the most, which is all of these issues come down to not being able to just, okay, have a, 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 a any, standard of truth right there's no standard of truth so there's all of these things that seem so contradictory that like you said you can't be too thin but you can't be you know too fat and you can't you know it's like we can't just talk about you know okay for every person what does it mean to be healthy right Mm -hmm. you know because every person's different every body type's different but there is a standard of health we know that scientifically you know, and, and now we can't even call out what that means anymore because, you know, you might hurt somebody's feelings. And so the, the, it, I think it, it really pinpointed this idea of when there's no concrete standard of truth, then you get to this point where a person feels completely pulled in a million different directions. And, and many of them are completely contradictory to one another. And so they have no idea how to live and then they just become, a, you know – disillusioned Mm -hmm. with the world and themselves and knowing how to take the next step forward. Mm -hmm. So I I thought that that was great. Um, You know, I think that there are places, you know, when she gives the speech again and again and again, where it becomes 
unfortunately, I think more like ideologically driven than this, this truth of like, this is ridiculous. We can't, we don't even know what it, what is a woman, Mm -hmm. right? You know, the famous question by Matt Walsh. (laughs) Um, And that's what she's dealing with. What does it mean to be a woman? What is a woman? Mm -hmm. We can't even answer that question anymore. And so like, how is a woman supposed to live if we can't even answer the question of what one is? Mm -hmm. And so, and if it's all just based on feelings, well, that has no concrete value. And so this is where we end up with women. We can't, you end up in an existential, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical crisis that leads you to this place. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought that was all great. Now I will say, like you said, um, I think that it felt like the core here should have been about her and her daughter, but then they have her married and her husband seems like a complete stereotypical idiot, which I was very mad about. I am so mm-hmm. tired of, of men being shown as just complete morons as husbands. It's like, it would have been better if she had been a single mother or a widow. Uh, mm-hmm. than having him exist at all because he played no part and and he just again it became that stereotype and i really i didn't like that this movie and this is one of the places where i felt like it 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 dove into stereotypes in a way that's actually damaging rather than help in any way helpful because stereotypes aren't helpful at all mm-hmm. for the most part and so yeah, I, I thought that was a, a really bad choice. It should have just been her and her daughter and should have excised the husband altogether uh, because, um, yeah, mm-hmm. th- that was not a good use of time, even yeah. though he was only on screen like twice. Well, and and I will add that was something that I definitely saw as a weakness for the movie was that if you're going to have someone cast in the role of Gloria's husband and Sasha's dad, both of them come across so self-assured um at least you know in the scenes where gloria um is finally having her confidence back and is giving those speeches and things and so you would expect nothing less than for sasha's dad and gloria's husband to be someone that's similar to that to be a very confident person who is very supportive but also an equal partner with gloria in raising their daughter And so it didn't make any sense to play him the way that they did. And like you said, then why even have him there? He didn't serve any purpose other than to say, oh, and there's this guy that happens to live with them that's trying to learn Spanish. (laughs) It just, it was, it was like, I couldn't tell if it was a throwaway thing of, oh yeah, we probably need her to have a husband or uh, we just need um, to not have her be a single mom for some reason. It was weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't yeah, understand he was, that. He was unnecessary. Um and yeah. and that's the other thing I will say I thought there was no need to have Alan, Michael Sarah's character play as much of a role as he did other than the joke like they did with Midge where you show her a couple times and say I thought we discontinued you and that's it. I think you could have done the same with Alan because I will say like my perspective when I was a kid was that Ken was the star and who the heck is Alan? He doesn't matter. (laughs) 
Right. And of course, that is absolutely the point that they're making. And and yet, I, I, I agree with you. He's given way too much time and the joke only works a couple of times. And it's a place where the, they, the joke runs dry and they're still trying to mine it. And it just wasn't needed. Yeah. Um, and then they even make so. him like one of the girls when all the Barbies are going back to take over Barbie land again. And I was like, hey, you, know, you didn't really need him there. No, you didn't. Um, well, I do want to say I was interested to see your thoughts on Ken number one, uh, a.k.a. Shang-Chi in the Ten Rings. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that, um, you know, he was good. You know, I, I mean, I thought he had charisma and, and Shang-Chi, you know, and was a fun character in that and, and did a great job. And so here to kind of play the counterpoint to the other Ken, where it's it's about that kind of you know, masculine rivalry. And in many ways, of course, these two characters are playing the mirror for the real world of what women kind of feel like where they're vying for the attention of men, Mm -hmm. right? They're playing that role. And so they they both did it well. It was was funny in that sense. Uh, And so, and yet, you know, it's one of those places where you know, we we don't really get to dive into that character more than than that, and 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 we of course stay so uh, surface level that we don't really get more to him. But you know, I, I get exactly what they're going for uh, with the character, and you know, I I thought he did a good job with what he was given. So I mean, I I I think it, he showed you know he's got some great comedic chops. Um, and can be obviously very funny. And so I was actually kind of impressed with what he did with how little he actually has to do in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, Simu Liu's portrayal as Ken number one and definitely the back and forth, like you were saying, about the two fighting over Barbie or or for attention. It also really reminded me of how kids play with dolls they're playing out these scenarios like that of things that they see adults do in movies or on tv as well so it makes Mm -hmm. sense you know i i i also like the way that they implemented how kids play with dolls into the movements of the people in Mm -hmm. the movie um i just wanted to call out really quick the the scenes where Ken and Barbie almost kiss, but then they don't actually. Because mm-hmm. if you think about tr- trying to make a Ken and a Barbie doll actually kiss, you're just smushing their faces together. Nothing happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it made perfect sense to make them pause halfway or, you know, lifting Barbie down from the roof into the car. Right. Because that's how kids play with dolls. Yes. So, yeah, no, I think all that stuff was was fun. I think they did a great job of kind of um, just playing with all of those things and, and trying to make it feel as uh, human uh, of a, an adventure as possible in the sense of like, yeah, this is what happened. So Barbie Land exists in the way in which kids play with Barbies. So, right. you know, it is very, very human and very, very silly. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, the fact that they don't actually drink any, anything out of their cups, they don't actually really eat anything because, you know, it it's all great mm-hmm. uh, on that sense. And I think they do a, a really good job with that. 
And since you mentioned that whole piece about humanity, I'll jump ahead a little bit to um, how this movie really reflects a lot of things about being human and about how kids are not only playing, but they're also using their play to deal with these newer concepts that they're learning about, like the things that Gloria starts to think that are portrayed onto her Barbie of sadness of how to deal with death. You know, those are things that unfortunately there are times kids have to deal with way too young and play can be a time where they start to open up about things in a natural way when they might not otherwise be able to talk about it. So I felt like that was really kind of a, a thing that was under the radar here that we could have paid more attention to, but was a really great addition to the movie and made it much more grounded and real um, of having the joke about, you know, cellulite appearing on her legs or like I said, do you ever have thoughts of dying and everyone's going, what? <laughs> but it's very serious things that of course, at some point kids are going to have to learn about and figure out how to deal with. So did you feel like that came across for you and that they did it well? Yeah, I think that it's an interesting thing because, of course, you know, the movie ends with Barbie choosing basically to become a real girl, uh, (laughs) just like Pinocchio. And that, you know, the the human experience of, of what of it, what does it mean to be human? You know, what does it mean to be a um, person that grows and changes and comes of age and uh, and all those things? And and what's interesting is that this movie does some of the things that Inside Out does, but just not as well. You know, I think mm. Inside Out hits all these ideas of what it means to become like a more complex human being mm-hmm. in a way that is so moving. And like legitimately every time I see that movie, it makes me cry. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but and, and I think this this movie is asking those same questions by having these characters who start off of these very innocent in this in these very innocent ways. Right. The very childlike the very childlike idea of what it means to be growing up. And yet the movie is all about realizing what it means to actually be a real person and have real human emotions and, and all of those things. And I I think the movie only scratches the surface of what that is uh, in a way that again, I think inside out nails. And so this is one of the places where the movie, I think, unfortunately, is trying to do too many things thematically, and therefore it can never do any of them very well. Mm, Okay. And this is one of the places, like, I I 100% agree with you. I think you nailed it. This is a really great thematic element that just really doesn't get played out fully by the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And so I think... Like many things where you see like a TV show or film or whatever, it's like it's got some good ideas, but it can't actually bring those good ideas out to full completion so that you feel uh, as though you truly understand and kind of are inspired by what the movie is trying to get you towards. You know, again, inside out by the end, 
the lesson of the idea of complex emotions and that, you know, a thing can simultaneously be sad and yet happy at this or, or joyful at the same time because of perspective mm-hmm. is a mind-blowing thing as you grow up and you realize that you can have these almost contradictory feelings about something and yet they're both true and figuring out how to rectify that as uh, as an adult is one of the things of what it means to be an adult mm-hmm. uh, and so you know um even dealing with that in my own life at this moment uh you know of having lost my job because I'm let I've been laid off and 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 yet knowing that that might lead to something better it's like that complexity right right uh and so um i think this movie it just it it's like it's kind of there but it's not there in, enough mhm yeah i get that i mean i i certainly felt like it could have resonated more you just needed a little bit more to really get it across and to to like you said to bring it to fruition um i did want to also discuss the other big theme you see in the movie which is um the matriarchy of barbie land versus the supposed patriarchy of the real world and how they play that out of you know of course barbie land starts as this utopia where the barbies hold all major positions of leadership um are the primary leaders of the story and that the kens are really just there as fun friends they hang out with sometimes but every night is girls night as barbie says and you are left at least i end up left feeling sad for the kens (laughs) because that wasn't how i as a kid played out that scenario um and i do think that that is either showing or discounting um romantic relationships and possibly showing you that in a sense you can't only have one or the other that we do have to have both the sexes work together in order to have the best society we could have but how did you feel about that? And do you agree with what I said? Or do you think you see it a little differently? Now, I think you made some incredibly salient points about the film there and, and what it's trying to do. And, 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 and yet, I think pinpointing the places in which you feel like it, it just doesn't quite live up to what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I do. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, actually. Um, I think that this is the place in which the film fails the most by turning this into an us versus them kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of men and women finding a way to come to common ground and realize that we're not that different. And this is the part that that frustrates me the most is that they're they're doing this with the Ken story, right? Because Ken is a mirror, supposedly a mirror for women in the real world where... Ken feels as though 
Um, he is superfluous. He isn't needed. He doesn't really have a purpose. His only purpose is there to be there for the Barbie whenever she calls. His only, uh, it's this nasty and, and very toxic, and I use that word specifically, toxic codependent relationship, right? Um, where she completely disregards him, doesn't treat him as an equal or even really as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think the movie almost has the answer, which is if we had focused on that story of saying this is the way in which women have felt in the past. And what really needs to happen is that men and women need to see each other as full human beings and from my perspective, made in the image of God and therefore deserving of all respect, honor uh, that should be due to a person because of that. Uh, And therefore, we should not discount anyone um, and we shouldn't treat anyone badly. We shouldn't treat anyone as superfluous. We shouldn't Mm -hmm. treat anyone as if we can just take advantage of them or not be seen as a person um, uh, that's deserving of honor. And yet the movie doesn't do that. What it does is it turns it into an us versus them thing of they've done this to us, so now we're going to do that back to them. It's this mean, vindictive, I think absolutely terrible uh, illustration of what not to do and what just causes more problems. Mm -hmm. You know, coming at somebody and being like, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you doesn't solve any problems that we have. And yes, I'm a man and I'm saying that, but I am fully uh, cognizant of the fact in the ways in which women have been treated horribly Mm -hmm. and that we need to come together and see each other as people of infinite value and therefore shouldn't be treated like that, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're a man and a woman. And I think this is the place where the movie absolutely, utterly fails and and actually becomes a thing that kind of destroys any goodwill the movie had going for it. Um, because, again, we're talking about something that is so absolutely important, the relationships between men and women in our world in a way that is so unnuanced, that is so superficial and so stereotypical that it's completely unhelpful Mm -hmm. um and um i was really disappointed in the film coming out of it because of that because i felt like it 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 had the ability to say something truly beautiful and it completely disregarded where it was going for just another battle of the sexes Mm -hmm. um and it tries i think to you know like with the ken story of like well you don't have to just be here for me you can just be you which is like okay that's sort of good but it's like a it's like placating at the end mm-hmm. and it's pandering and i think it's it's uh, that to me and i know i've kind of gone on a long time but mm-hmm. um i think um it was actually kind of painful to watch mm-hmm. because it's like i think that the relationships between men and women are so important to be talking about them in this way at this point in 2023 is so unhelpful and, and, and so derogatory towards both sexes that 
I I was really sad. Mm -hmm. And it sucks to hear that that's how it came across to a lot of people. Um, Because I do agree that it could have done some really great things in that space um, and been a conversation starter rather than an argument starter. Um, I will say, I think that the piece about reflecting what the patriarchy is currently like or that you know there is a kind of sense of that in the real world i did really appreciate the inclusion of some of that because that is so many women's experience um unfortunately you know i would say one of the biggest challenges we have as a society as well is teaching men when they're kids how to treat women um, so that then there aren't issues like being afraid to walk past a construction site because you're going to get catcalled or touched when you don't want to be touched. Um, so that was a good thing to include from my point of view for, for those pieces to show men this is happening all the time to women and it's not okay. Right. But I agree, you know, with the point that Showing solely a matriarchy or solely a patriarchy like either one is the answer and then not really wrapping up how to solve the problem didn't help. Oh, it's a great point. I I could not have said it better. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, because there isn't an answer there for what the world has called toxic masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the problem is, is that we're not talking about in any way, shape, or form here. Yes, all the things that Ken kind of thinks are cool, which is, again, it's all the stereotypes of, of quote-unquote, what it means to be a man. You're right. like trucks and horses and beer, all this BS that doesn't, that that's not what it actually means to be a man. The problem is, is that because there's no answer of what is a woman and what is a man, because there's no actual standard that we're we're appealing to, it's just all about feelings, we don't actually have any answers to these questions. And so therefore, this movie can't really answer them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest problem. Um, and this movie, uh, I think because of that, ends up adding to the problem and not the solution mm -hmm. because especially when it comes to that okay if we're going to question uh the idea of toxic masculinity i am all for that because it is wrong and it needs to be dealt with in that way right mm -hmm. um especially when it's done in a way that's it's not good uh and and ugly and gross in the ways that women have gotten away with like you said you know treating women horribly you know uh, all that stuff, touching women that when it, it ugh, yeah, right, yeah. the The problem is, is that I, I think the what it means to be a true man, to be self sacrificial and kind and honorable, and all of those things isn't talked about. It isn't shown in this film because mm -hmm. it doesn't have any answers of what it actually means to be a good man. Because what it shows us is kind of like a I, I don't even know what kind of man it is that's married to Gloria that it, it's like that's I wouldn't call that a man either. Like he's just kind of a doofus. 
He's just existing. And it's like, it just, yeah, it just, so I think that's the thing that, that really just bothers me about the film. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it really hurts the film in the end. Um, because I don't think again, in any way that it's helping the conversation. I think it's just kind of egging on, like you rightly put it, instead of creating conversation, it's just, it creates more arguments. And, and that's not helpful for the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And to me, it shows that the world we live in legitimately doesn't really have any answers to these questions in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it means that there's we we should maybe be looking for answers in places that aren't based in in our own thoughts and feelings. So, and maybe at least this conversation will start more conversations. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that would be that would be nice. Look at us, a man and a woman having a conversation. <laughs> It's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will say, you know, it does um, help in a lot of those scenes that it uses the color and the the jokes to help kind of ease the pain sometimes. Um, And, you know, like we said, Ken really stands out above everybody else in the movie for the most part. How did you feel that the action did in the movie um i say that in a major quote unquote because really the main action we get is the ken's fighting for the kingdom um which really leans into the joke but then you know the there's the world building of having a what a barbie land might look like versus the real world and the change when it becomes becomes the kingdom what did you think mm-hmm yeah, it's interesting too, you know, with the world building for me, um, it kind of comes off across as very almost Wes Anderson like, where everything, I mean, Wes Anderson as a filmmaker who, you know, did things like Moonrise Kingdom or the Royal Tenenbaums and those kind of films, Grand Budapest Hotel, you know, in many ways treats his films as though he's playing in a massive dollhouse. Mm-hmm. And so creating Barbie land like this where it was legitimately a dollhouse land, I think they did a good job. It, it, it Bringing it to life was a lot of fun. You know, the fact that the ocean is not really an ocean. It's just this plastic wave was hilarious. Right. Um, so all, I think all of that stuff was good. And, and, and then, you know, created an, an interesting juxtaposition of coming to the real world. And so... I think all of that worked for me, you know. um, What did you think? I mean, did it work for you? Did you like it? Yeah, I think the world building stood out to me above everything else as so authentically Barbie because of the things like the water all being plastic. And even like we were talking about how the the dolls move. It's plastic and it's fantastic. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, even down to the scene of the close up of Barbie's feet as she stepped out of her shoes the first time that we've all come to see Barbies as these things that never change across all of their dolls. They all have this natural arch to the feet, um, a similar build, you know, um, a lot of common characteristics. And so they did portray those things very perfectly here um and i love that they actually built the barbie dream house to be like a life-size house that margot robbie filmed those scenes in 
So if you get a chance to see that, anyone listening on YouTube, look up the tour of the Barbie dream house for the movie. It's really cute. Um, she even talks about how the shower doesn't really have water, you know, and like you said, like they don't really eat, they don't really drink anything. So all um, effective to get across that this is about dolls at the end of the day. And I thought that the uh, the scenes amongst the Kens fighting were hilarious. Um, the fact that Ken even gets a song. Um, you know, I don't obviously we didn't love the whole matriarchy versus patriarchy thing. Um, but I did think it was cool the way that they redesigned the world to be the kingdom, quote unquote, where now he's got saloon doors. <laughs> right. Because suddenly he's a cowboy. Um, yeah. And, uh, and even the joke about, you know, that Ken's favorite song is pushed by uh, Matchbox 20. Yeah. And that that's yeah. the only song that all of the Kens know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so yeah i i did think that those things were effective and funny um which lastly just leads me to the music um what did you think of the major song choices and even down to the song in the beginning that i don't think anyone expected to also narrate the scene right uh no i i thought all that was fine you know i i wasn't bowled over by any of the choices you know i did think it was funny to you know of course have barbie land be narrated by a song in some ways almost the same way uh, a young girl playing with barbies kind of might be singing the storyline that she's doing um and so mm-hmm. i i thought that was fun um and enjoyable there wasn't i honestly can't remember any of the actual song choices other than the ones you mentioned of the, you know, the song where we're narrating the opening of the Barbie land and, you know, uh, the, the song that the guys are singing. Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise I wasn't really kind of struck by song choices. So, and you know, obviously you're usually the one out of the two of us that relates more to scores, but there are ones that definitely stand out for me. And I think that's the other thing here that just kind of left me feeling wanting for more. There were a couple of big songs, but the score is not memorable. There's not really yeah, a, yeah. a theme that stands out or anything really major orchestral wise going on in the background. It's just these couple of things here and there and then. I don't remember the rest. No, I don't either, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, there's so many things I would have possibly picked to go as the backdrop with this movie. So I am disappointed there with the music because I, like I said, other than those couple of little jokes, it feels like there's just not enough there. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, I I wish there, there, it, it felt like that there was more to the music. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ultimately, it sounds like we're uh, coming down to very similar opinions, but I'll be interested to hear your overall takeaway from watching Barbie. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't necessarily, and I'm not sure anybody really understood or knew what to kind of make of this film until they actually saw it. Um, I, I didn't, I don't think anybody knew really what it was going to necessarily be. Um, and so 
I I come out of this film, I, you know, unfortunately very frustrated and and wishing for just something more. I feel like the film could have been more. It could it could have been much better if it had found okay. We want to kind of hit one major thematic element and do that really well, do that in a nuanced way, and do that in a way that, you know, truly leaves audiences with something to really chew on at the end. And I think the movie is just trying to hit too many things too quickly and in a way that doesn't necessarily help conversation. It almost hurts conversation because it's it's just to surface level and it, it's never able to really truly dig in and so because of that um you know even through this conversation i i rated the movie two and a half out of five coming in uh but i'm actually going to give this a two out of five because i think it's even less than half a good movie um and I I really hoped and wanted more because, you know, Greta Gerwig has done films that I thought were astounding uh, in Lady Bird and Little Women, just phenomenal films that I've loved. Um, and this is, a to me, a complete misfire. Mm. Uh, and so um, that's disappointing because I, I think it, it could have been something really great. Mm-hmm. So, I'm yeah, where did you land? So I echo a lot of the things that you said. Um, I think ultimately for me, although there was a lot that I enjoyed about it, it's still very surface level is what I come away with that. You know, I think that I wanted so much from it because Barbie itself was such a big part of my childhood and something I truly enjoyed. Um, that it was like this excitement of there's finally a live action Barbie movie I get to go to with my friends. We even dressed up as Barbies for it um, and felt like there was a lot that they were trying to say, but was dropped to say something divisive um, and lean into the joke rather than stick with something that really has a lot of weight to it. So I'm a little bit more forgiving because there still were some things that I enjoyed about it. Um, And like I said, that speech by America Ferreira, um, although she didn't write it, her delivery was so beautiful and really resonated with me as things that I've gone through as a woman um, and things that I hope will change about society. Um, I ultimately give this a three out of five Barbie shoes. Nice. Because nice. there's some fun there, but I wanted some more. Um, and like both of us said, feeling like they're leaning too much into generalizations and to being divisive when this could have been a really great way to bring people together. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, that's just fascinating because we had not talked about, you know, our feelings before mm-hmm. uh, we started recording. So I don't think either of us really necessarily knew um, where we were coming in. So I, I'm. We had to talk it out. was fascinating. 
Yeah, which is what, you know, makes for a great podcast. So I hope people mm-hmm. enjoyed the episode. And if uh, people did want to catch up with you, Christy, connect with you, where can they do that? Sure, you can find me as always on Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then I had a friends with my I had a friend. <laughs> um, I had a show. I had one friend. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> She's gone. Um, I had a show with my friends called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network that I hope you'll check out. Uh, but what about you? Well, you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. Of course, I'm here on the network uh, outside the Six O Two Club in a lot of other places. I'm doing literary treks about the books of the comics of Star Trek. Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise, The Ore about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Saddle Up about Strange New Worlds, which is going on right now, and of course, The Artificial Tango about Star Trek Picard. You'll also find me over on the Nerd Party Network. I've got two shows there. One is completed called Owl Post about Harry Potter. We did each and every chapter, one chapter at a time, Drea Kaufman and I. And then John Mills and I are talking about Star Wars each and every week on Aggressive Negotiations. But... Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm a Barbie girl, you know. Mm-hmm.